Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. Hello and welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. If you're one of the people that work to build a grassroots advocacy and grow your community of advocates, then you are in the right place. Now, let's get started. Hey, this is part two of my U.S. Travel Association interviews. Last week, we interviewed Roger Dow, President and CEO of U.S. Travel Association. In today's episode, we are pleased to be speaking with Tori Barnes, Executive Vice President of Public Affairs and Policy at the U.S. Travel Association, where she leads the government relations, policy development, communications, marketing, and research teams. She previously served as the association's senior vice president of government relations. Prior to joining U.S. Travel, Tori was an integral part of General Motors federal affairs teams for more than 14 years, dealing with many of their most important federal issues. Now, here's a little fun fact about Tori. She is on the board of the Congressional Women's Softball Game and coaches this has got to be a task, coaches the members of Congress team, which plays the annual game uh, against women in the press to raise money for the Young Survival Coalition. Tori, thank you, and it is a pleasure to welcome you to today's show. Thanks, Roger. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, the first question should be, how do you have to deal with coaching members of Congress? But I, I, I think we'll let that pass unless you're ready to throw a softball at them. Well, I'm actually excited because we uh, we were unable to have the game last year, but we are planning on having an in-person game this year because uh, you can't play softball virtually. So uh, happy to get it uh, coming back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad that you're raising great money uh, for the cause that you work on that with. So last week, I, I asked Roger to give our listeners kind of the 50,000-foot view of U.S. Travel's major priorities in the 117th Congress. What is your most pressing priority with Congress? Well, I mean, I think right now we really are pressing on not only Congress, but the administration to restart all segments of travel. So really, uh, obviously, we're starting to see a demand for domestic leisure come back, but it's in, it's critical that we open the international borders, that we get meetings and events going again uh, at a greater gathering limitation um, or without the gathering limitations that we're seeing across the states. Uh, so overarching messages really are as the, the rest of the economy opens up, the, the broader travel economy should as well. Um, and I think it's important that Congress takes that message to the administration. We absolutely are as well. 
but as, as it relates specifically to Congress, there are things that they can continue to do. And uh, you know, obviously the relief package uh, that we saw in December and the, the previous packages last year were really important, but we know that the travel industry has been the hardest hit industry. And so we'll need to continue to focus on relief as even as we get going again and also recovery. So one important job uh, jobs bill is really what we're considering it is the Hospitality and Commerce Jobs Recovery Act, which is um, a tax uh, package. It's temporary tax incentives for ind individual tax uh, credits as well as business meetings uh, credits for both attendee and those that are hosting. Um, it would, if passed, it add about 1.5 million more jobs to the economy and almost 600 billion uh, to GDP. So, you know, that bill is really an important piece of um, recovery legislation that we're hoping can move forward um, this summer. And in, in addition to that, really the infrastructure package, um, right now there's a little bit of a debate on how big the package will be, if it will be bipartisan. Um, but there's a huge opportunity to push um, travel priorities in this infrastructure bill uh, alongside recovery uh, and relief needs. So those are really what we're focused on right now with the sort of overarching theme of, of opening all segments of travel um, broadly this summer. You know, during the last administration, we saw Infrastructure Week show up about every other week for about three years. Uh, there seems to be a different level of importance uh, in this administration. Can you address that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, I mean, one thing to remember, obviously, you've got the, the administration, the Senate, and the House are all controlled by Democrats. So, you know, there are tools that, that something can move um, through reconciliation that doesn't necessarily require a 60-vote threshold, which is normally required to get something right. through the Senate. There is an opportunity. I think, um, you know, really and truly both sides, though, if they could come to kind of a middle ground, there, there is a, a, an appetite for a bipartisan bill. I think we saw uh, some of the bipartisan work in the Senate move forward last year um, uh, on infrastructure. It didn't ultimately become law because they, they didn't get it through, you know, the, the House and also take it to the administration. But quite frankly, um, there is a great understanding of the need for upgrades to our nation's airports, to, to roads and bridges and highways. Um, quite frankly, electrification, um, charging, uh, as we look at the automakers, you know, with these all electric fleets by 2035, we've got to start laying that groundwork and really get those infrastructure priorities into um, a real world scenario, um, or we're going to be lagging behind the rest of the world. So I think that there is a bipartisan effort. I think the question really will be, do Democrats take a, a partisan tactic in trying to move this through reconciliation, include things beyond infrastructure, um, and how that maybe muddies the water for future bipartisan work um, will be will likely be uh, an issue. So we're hopeful, though, that some travel-related priorities will make it forward in this bill. Well, and, and, it, and it's quite interesting that both travel and infrastructure go so hand-in-glove with each other. And the fact that you have 435 members of the House and 100 U.S. Senators where each one of their districts are affected by those two key powerful issues uh, gets their attention. It's not like somebody can say that doesn't affect me and my district. And, uh, and I think that uh, it's going to be an important time for this country to be able to move forward by having 
both travel uh, and open it up more. And of course, the infrastructure to be able to get us from point A to point B uh, safely and, and, and quickly. So last month, US travel held their legislative day you, uh, with Congress. You call it Destination Capitol Hill. Now you've had to do this virtually now, twice, I think. What are the pros and cons of a virtual Hill Day? Sure, so we actually had a record-breaking um, virtual fly-in this year. Um, we had 450-plus delegates, 320 members uh, of meetings with members of Congress or senior staff. Um, I think the, the, the pro is really that there's a broader reach that more people can join um, it, you know, the meetings, um, given budgets and the challenges within the industry. Um, the virtual aspect really does help. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, um, the con is really, you know, the lacking of in-person connections, um, the real development of relationships. Um, I, I think nothing really can replace that interaction um, that you, when you meet face-to-face -face and some of the side conversations that you can have. Um, and I think really, you uh, you know, the the virtual aspect, again, can be something to tide you over, if you will. Um, but the only way we're really going to genuinely make new relationships, um, and this goes beyond just our fly-in, but, you know, for me, you know, professional meetings and events um, writ large, and, and one of the reasons why we really want to see those be able to come back sooner rather than later is because um, it's that coffee you go and grab with someone, it's the glass of wine you have at the restaurant, or you know, just riding in an elevator with someone and, and, you know, discovering that there's some, you know, something about the, the other person that you never knew and or you initiate and, and that helps to spur um, a future relationship or an ongoing dialogue. Um, it, it's just really, really, I think, important. And so I think the virtual world can hold us over for some time. But at the end of the day, we've got to get back to meeting in person. And I think especially when it comes to, to flying in and meeting with your members of Congress. Yeah, absolutely. And and you've got two, two issues now, of course. You've got the issue that surrounded uh, kind of the closing of Capitol Hill because of the pandemic. And then you had the the January 6th incident. And from a security standpoint, are, are you hearing at any point in time when you think that's going to open back up at least a little bit? I'm sure there will be different security concerns than they had prior to this. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. There are so um, I live actually on Capitol Hill and I run up there all the time. They still have the uh, perimeter around the Capitol building, but you can now drive between the, the House and Senate buildings and um, and the Capitol uh, and, and walk there as well, which was, was closed off for about three months. And uh, what we're hearing is that they are starting to look at how they can bring back meetings. Um, likely, I think, to be a little bit more structured. Um, you know, you'll need to have an official appointment. You'll have to check in. Um, right now, or for, before what had happened before, for folks who don't know, you know, you could, anyone could really go into any of the Capitol buildings or the Capitol, um, congressional buildings of the Capitol, um, whether or not you had a meeting uh, or not. And I think now it'll be a much more structured process. Um, there are some meetings that are taking place outside of the Capitol and the congressional buildings, um, mostly, um, mostly, you know, in coffee shops or restaurants around the Capitol. So some of those meetings are, are ongoing, but I think for the formalized meetings that can accommodate sort of that fly-in, um, I think that we're probably looking at the fall before we kind of fully understand 
um, what those parameters will be. And I think the distribution of the vaccine and what the what the rate of vaccine and is there a requirement for either a test or a vaccine um, to be able to come into the Capitol, I think that may play into it as well. But uh, I know that they're working on those uh, those rules right now. Yeah, they, they've got a lot on their plate to figure out to 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 make it safe for all parties in, involved in that. And I'm sure you agree with me. I can't wait till we can get back to that point where we can have the face-to-face -face engagement uh, with our elected officials uh, in the House of the People. Uh, the the Hill Day is always about member advocacy, people people that support the cause. What is the first thing that comes to mind for you when you think of advocacy? You know, I, I think it's a really a combination of things, um, you know, as, as someone who has has always uh, loved those face to face meetings with members of Congress and going up to Capitol Hill. I think that, you know, that is a really important point um, of of advocacy. And I think also it's that broader reach. It's it's everything that uh, that you can kind of throw at an issue to really uh, lend your voice and the collective voice of an industry to move forward uh, on critical issues affecting the business. And so, you know, that includes, you know, boots on the ground lobbying, that includes grassroots, grass tops. So, you know, that, that broader voice of the industry, uh, making calls, um, sending letters, sending emails. Uh, it includes those uh, pre-existing relationships, those grass tops where you've got members of Congress um, being uh, contacted by uh, folks that they know within the industry, uh, it's uh, communication strategies, really, you know, earned media, paid media, uh, digital media, social media, um, you know, really engaging in all of those on, on all of those aspects. And then really, you know, uh, there's so much more to consistent touch points and um, having clear and concise messaging um, so that there's all um, all of the voices throughout the industry can really can really lend um, and their voice, you know. We've done, uh, you know, strategic industry sign-on letters that are, you know, more targeted. That maybe a, a certain delegation to a certain member of Congress or a person in leadership. Uh, we've done uh, sign-on letters where you've had six thousand to ten thousand folks. That's just been more about mass, um, mass voice. <clears throat> you know, the virtual hill, hill fly-in. Um, we've got sort of a legislative speaker series that we, uh, you know, hear from members, and that's another point to engage. Have um, travel talks, which are are sort of a in the district um, roundtables, and now we're doing those virtually. So a lot of different um, options for that collective voice, uh, but really uh, it's all of that, all of those things that can build the biggest voice and the greatest advocacy for an issue. So you you mentioned uh, in in that great recap of of everything that that is the touch points. Of advocacy, you mentioned your your legislative speaker series, and I know that you're going to be executing that in a in a fall advocacy event. Tell us more about that. Well, no, we're planning. Um, well, the legislative speaker series is actually a monthly roundtable um, for members to hear from members of Congress and the Senate, um, but we are planning on a fall event that will be more of an advocacy-driven event, combination of private sector and government. Um, really to drive home the importance of our industry. And I think, you know, what we really are, are seeking to do is, is elevate our voice. I think when you bring, um, you know, private sector and government together, it, it, along with the media 
in a Washington facing uh, type of event, uh, you can really elevate the voice. And I think that one of the things we're really seeking to do with this as well is demonstrate how significant um, jobs are to our jobs, travel jobs are to the economy. We've seen now over the last, you know, over a year, um, what happens when travel really ceases to exist and how many jobs are impacted. I mean, 65% of all pre of all pandemic related job losses are in the in the uh, travel industry. And I think that when you contemplate the hundreds of billions of dollars um, of loss to the economy uh, and just the crippling effect that not having travel can have on a country, let alone the globe, um, you really can understand how important it is to bring this industry back. And I think it's now is the, uh, the time to sort of optimize um, our voice and be able to, uh, to focus on, on, on a targeted event that can potentially be an annual event uh, that will help, um, help to let folks understand how important it is. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier uh, uh, about grass tops, and we know that the use of grass tops is really important because it's usually who knows who, who knows who, as well as them being very well versed on the details of, of the subject matter uh, and the issues at hand. But then you also need to deal with grassroots. And we know the importance that grassroots can bring to help really personalize the story, the real kind of boots on the ground impact that, that things can have on their ability to be able to conduct business and do their job and even have a job. So how do you, uh, when you wanna grow the grassroots, how do you educate and engage and, and grow those advocates? So we've done, um, you know, a, a ton of webinars this year, um, really to talk through uh, it, uh, the policy, uh, you know, not only sort of what is in uh, existing legislation from a relief standpoint, but what we're seeking uh, an additional relief and recovery. So we've used webinars, we've used, um, you know, one pager, you know, just plain old, you know, education materials. Um, we've also been willing to, you know, have uh, side conversations with delegations um, of, of our members. Uh, we've done the, the fly-in that's obviously been an important tool, um, but really it's um, making things uh, as easy as possible for folks to be able to, you know, talk about the data. Here's the, here's the data. Here's the, the, the national data. Here's the state-by-state -state data. Here's the district data. Um, here are the key talking points. Here are the key messages we want to convey. Here is the the impact that you know passing certain legislation will be able to provide to to shorten the recovery time, right? So um, we've done a lot of engagement uh, again in in all different forms. Um, and I think that given the breadth of impact that the pandemic has had on our industry, um, there's really been a huge desire for folks to engage. And so we really utilize that. Um, that uh, desire to to have opportunity to come come be part of this broader voice, and I think we've even seen you know folks that on the grassroots side have grown in, you know grass tops relationships to an even stronger point um, because um, of the consistent and and continued engagement um, that certain folks have really had with um, the industry and and trying to hone in on um, how they can be effective to help their business or their destination. So, uh, you know, we really have broadened the tent. And I think 
also looking, you know, in particular at the breadth of the travel industry from a segmentation perspective is everyone's been hurt, whether you're, you know, an attraction or an airline or a hotel or a mom and pop shop, or, you know, you've got your, your location doing weddings or you're doing conventions or you're hosting, you know, you're the flower shop that helps, you know, that provides for weddings, right? Like there's everyone within this industry has been impacted. And so getting all of those voices together, working together on the same messaging um, has really grown, um, I think, our advocacy uh, voice. And I think been really, truly uh, something that we can utilize moving forward on all of the work that we're doing. Yeah, I, I know from research that um, people that don't participate in advocacy engagement uh, oftentimes comes down to fear. And anything an organization does to help eliminate that fear of, of engaging with elected officials because they often think that they know more than, than the individual advocate knows, where we all know in reality that because you focus on your area and your job, you know much, much more than uh, an individual member of Congress may know about that. And getting them involved and making them feel comfortable in the process is such a huge key by providing them all the different types of resources that you indicated with that. Um, I know it's difficult because of all the other factors out there uh, from the physical barriers of not being able to get to the face-to-face -face engagement uh, with, with people, but how can organizations uh, move legislation forward in this polarized kind of divided Congress and country right now? Well, I, you know, I really think that it's that continued um, willingness to engage, right? And I think looking at things, you know, even if um, if there are folks, you know, that you think aren't going to um, to to care about what your issue is or may have a differing view, I think the more that you can educate members of Congress on both sides of the aisle and give anecdotal. Uh, you know, stories about how your businesses are impacted or destinations or what, or what have you. I mean, to the point that you just noted, I think that, um, you know, we are experts, right, in our own business. And I think the more that we communicate how things um, are impacting us, the, the better. And I think that, you know, in this polarized environment, um, there still are folks that want to work together, that want to get things done, um, and there are still pieces of legislation that are going to move. So I think that the bigger the voice, the bigger um, uh, approach to consistency, the, you know, the, the, the importance of being able to have data to back up how a piece of legislation can actually help move the needle for the economy um, is really, really important. So I think that um, working together, finding others that you can, um, build into the tent, right? I think the, the bigger the tent, the louder the voice, um, and the more uh, inclusive uh, towards finding uh, like-minded uh, issues that we can work on, the more we'll be able to accomplish. I mean, I think over the last several years, what we've seen is maybe a little drip, drip, drip of some pieces of legislation, nothing overly controversial that's moved forward. And then you've seen sort of like these big packages that have happened at the end of the year. Um, I don't know that I think that this year will be much different. Obviously we've had already one COVID package. Um, we'll likely have an, either an infrastructure recovery package or something else. And then probably an end of the year bill. 
Um, but I do think that working um, on, on, you know, how you can move with uh, leadership on both sides of the aisle in both the House and the Senate, having a champion that can really take your issue to his or her leadership, um, you know, and working within a, a broader coalition can really advance the needle. So I think there is definitely a way to get things done, but you have to have a comprehensive strategy. I and mean, this goes through where you have to have kind of all of those different pieces of advocacy to help um, to bolster your message, to help bolster the issue. Um, it can be done. It just takes a lot of work um, and a lot of consistent uh, engagement. That's right. It's uh, an awful lot of work. Uh, Tori, uh, any final thoughts that you'd like to throw out or how can people reach U.S. Travel for more information? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, U.S. Travel is is really the umbrella organization for the, the whole travel and tourism industry, all different sectors, and we really are focused on bringing back international travel, uh, opening up professional meetings and events uh, across the country, and um, and obviously helping to to boost the domestic leisure that we expect will come back. Um, you know, as we head into the summer. Uh, we're at ustravel.org. Uh, always feel free to reach out to me as well at vbarnes at ustravel.org. And uh, we are um, you know, going to continue to work really, really hard to help the travel economy recover uh, in a shorter time horizon than the current 2025 uh, expectation um, for when we will recover back to 2019 levels. Um, we, we are jobs. Uh, we're commerce. We are um, trade. We are uh, really critical to the whole of the industry um, and with the powerful voice um, of, uh, of all of us working together, I think that we can really move the needle uh, and help uh, the overall country uh, get back on track. And so uh, we'll, uh, we'll be focused and, and would love uh, anyone that wants to engage alongside of us. What a, great, what a great way to wrap up today's conversation with Tori Barnes, Executive Vice President, Public Affairs and Policy for the U.S. Travel Association. Thank you so much for being on today's show. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me. I hope to see you in person soon. Boy, wouldn't that be lovely for all of our sakes. <laughs> Absolutely. Be, be well, Tori. You too, thank you. Now it's time for the advocacy engagement tip. Organizations and their staff are scrambling to adapt to the change all around us. You may be no different, as you may have less bandwidth in both people and time to achieve your desired outcomes. However, we should remind ourselves of proactive activities you can do now to affect your advocacy success in the future. Do you have a program to train and onboard any new advocates or reinforce advocacy best practices to your existing grassroots advocates? Do you have this as an online advocacy training program? There is a lot of value in online training for your advocates. Online eliminates the expense of travel required for face-to-face -face training. You can also track the advocates' progress as they move along and you can reward their completion. We are proud to have Rap Index as a sponsor of the show. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. 
The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's R-A-P-Index.com and tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. In upcoming episodes, you will be treated to great interviews from the leaders of the world of politics, associations, and nonprofit causes. Next week, we have as our guest, former U.S. Senator from the great state of Alaska, Mr. Mark Beggage. I am sure you will enjoy this interview. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcasts and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast today. Again, a big thank you to Tori Barnes for being on today's show. I greatly appreciate her time today and without question, her unwavering passion for advocacy. Well, that's it for this episode of the Voices in Advocacy. And remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now, go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.